Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Two, um, we're going to. I'm going to speak from. I'm going to pray for us first. I know Joel's already prayed and appreciate that. I just want us to ask, just ask God. Just you, Father. We are just so grateful. We stand as a grateful people, Lord. Grateful for Your Son. Grateful for salvation that's found in Him. Grateful that we are now members of Your family. We're so grateful. We're grateful for that Emily and Dylan are back here. We're just so glad. We're, we're amazed at you, what you do for us. And Lord, now as we open up your word and we say thank you for your word. Thank you that you recorded your word for us in this, this library of books that we might be able to hear from you. And we, as we open up your scriptures right now, as we just look into them, just one small part of them, we say, please, I pray that you would just open our heads, open our hearts, Lord. We don't just want information, Lord. We want to be changed. We want to be more like your son, Father. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come and work amongst us. Come and deal with us. Come and help us to see things in different ways. Come and change us, Lord. Come and change us. We don't want to go away from here just with good intentions. We want to leave this meeting having met the risen Lord Jesus Christ and having had our lives changed. Amen. We're going to uh, have readings from Acts chapter 2 and into Acts chapter 3. Uh, I guess many of you will know this. This is the second part of Luke's recording of Jesus, uh, both in his life and in the early church. This is the second book uh, that he writes. And so we're into this. Most of Luke is an editor, by the way. He, was, uh, he wasn't present at most of the things that he writes about. He tells us at the beginning of his gospel that he's researched things. He's gone to people. He's got stories and got eyewitness reports and things like that. And he's, uh, he's put these things together for us. And uh, he has, he's chosen some things to put in and he's chosen some things to leave out. And we are at the point in this story where Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended. And uh, the earlier Spirit of God has come upon uh, the, the apostles and the church that were gathered there, the people in the upper room. And the church has begun to gather. And we're going to start our reading at the end of Acts chapter 2 with this extraordinary description of the early church, this early community following Jesus. This is amazing uh, description. But we're going to go into chapter 3 because I'm going to preach a very simple sermon from chapter 3. But I want us to catch the, the move from where Luke is recording, if you like, this summary of the community as it's gathered together, and then we get into this story at the beginning of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceedings to all as any had need. 
and day to day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord added to their number those, but day by day, those who were being saved. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I'm not sure how you read the Bible, but when I read this kind of thing, and remember the chapters and verses weren't there originally, we all know that. It strikes me that when we have this extraordinary summary of the early community of Jesus, and then suddenly, having gone from this, people being added day to day, thousands being saved, the Spirit coming down on people, we go to this very specific story about one man being healed. And it, it, it raises questions for me. I think, why, why has Luke done that? Because as I've already said, he's an editor. He could, have used, he could have gone anywhere with this story to convey to us the truth of the gospel. But what he's done is he's gone here. And I want to say, first of all, I think this is a true healing. I think this man really was lame. He really was healed. He really had his legs and his ankles strengthened so he could leap and praise the living God. I, I believe that to be a real thing. But I think there's other things happening here. If you read on to the story into Acts chapter 3 and 4, I think one of the reasons that Luke's put this in here is because he's telling us we've got this extraordinary summary, this great good news of what's happening to these people. But what we're going to find out when we go right the way through from this point, from this healing, right the way, and we're going to find confrontation. We're going to find persecution. And I think Luke wants us to understand in the midst of this good news, there's persecution. It's tough. For some people even now, it's tough. And I think Luke wants to introduce us to this right at the beginning here so we don't get carried away on some kind of frothy bubble of everything's great and wonderful. Actually, there's confrontation that comes with the gospel. But I also want to say this. I think it's a healing. I think Luke's trying to introduce us to confrontation, to be aware of that as we're Christians. But I think there's a third thing. And I think that Luke wants us to see this man as a picture a picture of the world. Here's this broken man who gets healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think Luke wants us to understand what happens when this community is gathered together, when the gospel begins to gather people and people come to the Lord Jesus. What's happening is that broken people are being mended. That's what's happening here. And I think this is, a, if you like, a kind of summary story, which is to help us to understand what is happening when the gospel comes. It's not just people decide to, with their own intellect to just follow Jesus and live under a different set of rules and regulations, but broken people get healed. 
And I want us to talk about that. I, I want us to see that the world is broken and the world knows that it's broken. That the world has offered some answers to its brokenness, but actually Jesus is the only answer to the brokenness in the world. So the first thing I want to say is that the world knows it's broken. We, hear, we see here in verse 2, a man lame from birth was being carried, who was being carried in, they lay daily at the gate of the temple. No one needed to tell this man that he was broken. Every day he would wake up, every day people would lift him up, take him to the temple and put him there. No one had to tell him that he was broken. A daily reminder as his friends carried him to the temple. Not once, not one day from this man's birth had he been able to get himself to the temple. He needed help every single day. Wherever you look, whether it's the television or the internet, Facebook, wherever your bag is, the world knows it's broken. We live in a very broken world. Emily and Dylan's return home was delayed because of the brokenness of this world. Coronavirus is a reflection of that brokenness. But if we take a look at any news report or anything, we're going to see all the evidence of the world knowing that it's broken. We have wars and murder and violence, rape and slavery and theft, fornication, corruption, adultery. We have evidence of it all of the time. And the truth is, this is what sells newspapers or what used to sell newspapers when I was young. But what gets our clicks on the internet nowadays. That's what happens. Pornography websites, you may know this, are one of the top websites that are viewed on the internet. I think I find the internet such an extraordinary... I'm an older man, as you can tell, with no hair. And uh, isn't it amazing, the internet? I can't believe how cross I get when I suddenly can't connect to the internet. 20 years ago, I didn't even know what it was. 10 years ago, I didn't even have a phone that could do that. I get so cross now, but the internet, this brilliant tool, pornography sites are way up there with the, number, the sites that get visited all of the time. We still live in a world where there are literally, this is not an exaggeration, millions of slaves. People have no choice about who they work for. They're under threat of violence. They get very little money, if any at all. We live in a world where there is still slavery. Last year, there were 40 ongoing conflicts in the world where people are getting killed every single day. In the nation that I have the privilege of living in now, last year, 60, 65,000 reported, reported rapes. Of those, over half involved children. Some of those children under the age of 12 months. Corruption in Europe, they calculate. It's corruption, so who's really sure? We're talking something like 500 billion euros. And we only, I come from South Africa, we know a fair bit about corruption in our own nation. Around the world, divorce rates are somewhere like 40%. And if you get married a second time, your chances of getting divorced again are 65%. 65% of those remarriages are going to fail. You've all gone very quiet. 
I could go on telling you more and more bad news, and I guess if we had another booth outside which wasn't just about signing up for couples, we could all write all the bad news that we know, and even some of the bad news in our own lives. For some of us in this room, that this broken world has, has broken into us. Some of us have had the bad news in our own lives. We, we know what it's like. We know the world's broken, and the world knows it's broken as well. I want to say two things about this for us as most of us here, I guess, are believers. Two things for Christians, just to bear in mind, let's not be superior. Please hear me. This world is broken and we were broken. That's what we were. We were broken people. Back in about 100 years ago, the Times newspaper of London ran an article and the heading of the article was, What's Wrong with the World? And they invited people to write in and give the, the answer to the question right into the Times and say, this is what's wrong with the world. A Christian writer called G.K. Chesterton, he wrote this letter to the editor. He said, dear sir, I am yours faithfully, G.K. Chesterton. He understood that what's wrong with the world is him and you and me. And so we mustn't be superior. We, as as, as Followers of Jesus, we must be careful where we point the finger. Remembering we have three pointing at us when we do so. There's no superiority for us. There's things we can do, and I hope I'll get there. But there's no superiority for us in this whole thing. It would be nice to say, wouldn't it, that all of the problems, even now, are outside of the church. We've just had, Joel told us, you've just had a Regions Beyond team meeting where we've gathered together to talk. We kind of along the way, acknowledge that yet another senior Christian leader has been removed from leadership because of moral failure. The problems aren't out there, they're still in here. Let's not be superior. When we, when we look at these, when we hear the things that are going on, let's not be superior. Let's cry, let's weep. Let's give ourselves to the remedy and we'll get there shortly. The second thing is there must be no despair because that's the other thing that we can do, can't we? We, we can see all this stuff and all the bad things that are going on and the, we see it all and hey, we, the, the, we can despair. I live in a nation where people of my colour have been running away. If you're here as a South African, I'm not saying you ran away, okay, just because you don't live in South Africa anymore. I'm not, okay? <laughs> I can see one already. But... I'm not saying everyone who's left South Africa is running away, but some people are running away. Some people are leaving South Africa because they're trying to find somewhere where they're going to be safe, earn lots of money, not have to live with black people. We can despair. We can despair because of what's going on. We had a couple in our church some years ago. They, they left. They were clear. They were absolutely clear. They were fed up. They were fed up with what was going on in the nation, fed up with the rape, fed up with the corruption, fed up with the lack of progress, fed up, fed up, fed up, fed up, fed up. So they went to Australia. When they'd been there six weeks, tragically, the wife was mugged in the street in Australia. No one found out about it in our church for two years because they didn't want to tell anybody that the thing they'd run away from in South Africa had happened to them in Australia. 
We mustn't despair. We mustn't run away. What we're looking for only comes through Jesus Christ. So the world knows it's broken. We mustn't be superior. We mustn't despair. But secondly, the world has offered answers. This man is lame. And one of the answers to his lameness is his friends pick him up every day, take him to the temple to get arms. That was their answer. They were trying to help this man, this broken man. They were trying to help him. And when we look around the world, it's, it's, it's done its best to find answers to the brokenness. There's nothing illegal about this man begging. It's what people did. It's one of the ways. In fact, some parts of the world, it's still legal to beg because that's the only way some people can survive. But the problem for this man never goes away. And the same it is for the world. As it begins to fight, try to find solutions to what's going on in the world, the problems never go away. And I'm going to go through some of them now. And I'm not saying they're bad. We'll come back to that. But I'm just saying these are the kinds of things that people have put great effort into in order to try and answer the brokenness in the world. Some of it's morality or religion. In other words, the idea is this. If we can find the right set of rules and regulations or the right religion, if we can find the right way to give people, this is how you should live, if we can do that, great effort's been put into that. Nothing wrong with good morals. Nothing good, wrong with good ethics. That's not the answer. And I'll come back to why that is. Some people think it's politics. If we could find, just find the right leaders who could govern well, that, that would sort all of our problems out. Begin to see the end of it. Some people, people think it's activism. When there's stuff going on, when there's injustice, when, when we discover things that are going wrong, they're activists. They protest. They shout from the streets. Greta Thunberg being one of those right now. That's, that's how they see it. Activism. This is the way we can change our broken world. For some people, it's psychology. If we understood how people really thought and we then be able to change the way they behave. Some people... I want to tell you if you, it's what happened when you were a child, when you kind of really don't remember all those things, but lots of things happened to you as a child and you got dropped on your head as a baby and the reason you're doing what you're doing now is because someone rejected you and all that kind of stuff. There's all sorts of ideas of psychology, but psychology was one of those things. We, if we understand better how the mind works, what shaped the mind, we'll be able to change behaviour. Some people think education. This was a big thing. 150 years ago, this was the big deal. What we need to do, the way we'll change society is people need to be educated. You know the problem with that is that when you educate people, all you get is cleverer sinners. That's all you get. That's what you get. That's, what, that's all that happens. But people thought education, education's great, isn't it? It's not the answer to the problem. And then, of course, some people thought it's none of those things because all those things do is bring division because someone says this is the right way and this is the right way. And someone said the answer is love. And if you're as old as me, someone wrote a song about it. All you need is love. Love is all you need. <laughs> it's a Valentine's song, indeed. Said the course of trouble with the song, it was written by people who within two years didn't like one another and had parted as a pop group. That's the problem with the thing. Now look. None of these are wrong. Love is better than hate. <laughs> good government is better than bad government. Good morals is better than bad morals. Good education is what we need. None of these things in and of themselves are anything wrong. But the problem is we're broken. We're broken and we need fixing. Verse 7 of our passage says, Peter took him 
by the hand, raised him up, and immediately his ankles and his feet were made strong. We don't need good advice. We need fixing. The world doesn't need more advice. It needs fixing. And thirdly, for those of you who are normally here, you won't be surprised that the only way we get fixed is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we're going, the world is going to get fixed. The only way Dubai is going to get fixed. The only way Cape Town is going to get fixed. London. The only way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Physical healing comes to this man through Jesus. He doesn't get fixed because of the arms that he's received. He gets fixed because he meets with Jesus. City Hill, you're part of that great army of people who have been commissioned to go to the world and call people to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's the way we heal a broken world. You're saved here this morning. This is what happened to you. You were dead in your grave of sin and trespasses and God reached in and raised you up and made you alive in Jesus Christ. We're, we're, we're not to get out there and, and give lots of good advice. We're to go out there with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ that through him and through him alone is life and freedom and health. It's only God that's going to give power. I don't know what your theology is. I think I know what, the, what Fuss's theology is. I don't know what your everybody in here. But no one is saved because they're clever or lucky. We're saved because of the grace of God upon our lives. I can't save anybody, nor can you. But what we're called to do, what we're commissioned to do, is to go and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to go and preach the gospel. It's an event in history. Jesus lived, he died, he rose from the dead. When he died, he took the sins of people like you and me. That's what we have. We have a message and we do that. And we do that. And as we do that, we pray with every fibre in our being, asking that God will attend those words and change someone's heart. Because if they don't, they'll stay in their grave of trespasses and sins. That's what we're called to do. Many of us know the Lord Jesus here this morning. Part of why we're still here Part of why we're still on the planet and we didn't get taken up to be with God at the moment of our salvation is that we are here to preach the gospel. That's why you're here. It's not the only reason you're here, but it's why you're here. It's why I'm here. I get the real privilege of being able to do it to you guys in a group. Most of us don't do this. The vast majority of Christians never do what I'm doing here. But we all have some people in our lives who need to hear the gospel. We sat around last night, um, kind of at the end of a very tough week, actually, and just kind of talked about what was going on, and we started to share some testimony. No one in my family is a Christian. I preached the gospel to them, and I plead with God to break in. 
Gareth Whale, one of the other guys that was here this week, he was able to tell this amazing story of how his mother got saved and then his uncle got saved. It was just an extraordinary tale, all late in life, actually. Where are you? There are people that you are with, relationally with. Maybe your family, you're with them all the time. Maybe it's people at work. Maybe it's people you know where you live, your neighbours. There are people that you're with. And that's your mission field. Some of us, people like me, get the privilege to go to other nations and, and, and preach the gospel there. But for many of us, our mission field is here. It's who we're having lunch with today. So we're going to be at work with. I don't know when you go back to work. I'm always a bit confused when I come to Dubai, whether it's the first day of the week or whatever. But whenever you go back to work, whoever you Sunday, yeah. When you go back to work, or well, some of you, I guess, are going to work today, but they're, they're, that's your mission field. This is it. We're called to be the gospel, but also to proclaim the gospel. It's no good just being the gospel. It's no good just being good news. It's good to be good news. It's good that our lives reflect what we, the, the gospel that's come down. But if we don't speak the gospel, people won't know. They'll just think we're nice people. I know lots of nice people, but they're not Christians. They're actually still dead in their trespasses and sins. Some of those people look a lot better than some of the Christians I meet. That's a tragedy. So we're called to be, be good news, but we're called to proclaim good news as well. It's an event in history. We're not telling people to tidy up their lives. We're telling them about what Jesus Christ has done. That through his death, we can know salvation. You might be sitting here this morning and you might not be a follower of Jesus. And you, you might be a good person. You might be better than me. Here's the deal though. If you are living your life as you've chosen to live it, if you're the sole arbiter of what's right and wrong and you've decided whatever has happened to Jesus has got nothing to do with you, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. But that's you this morning. Don't leave here without speaking to someone. Maybe you came with someone. Maybe they invited you. And if I've offended you, I'm kind of sorry, but I'm not really. Seriously, hear me. This is serious. Please don't come in here just to go out. Please don't do that. Please don't just come and have an experience of something and then just go out and get on with your life again. If you haven't come to the Lord Jesus and said something like this, I, I, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. If you haven't begged for forgiveness, then think about it today. Ask the person you came with. Ask one of the leaders here at the front. But, but please don't. Just go out from here. Think about what's been sung and I guess what's going to be sung. Think about some of what I've said. Think about why did your friend invite you here? Invited you here so that you could know salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, which means change the way you think about Jesus. Whatever you think now, you might think he's a good teacher, a nice guy, lots of stuff written about him. It's not enough. You need to trust him wholly for your salvation. It means recognizing this. You cannot save yourself. You're like that lame man, lame from birth, who cannot heal himself. And you need to come to Jesus who 
make you whole. And will continue to work in your life to make you more like him. Don't leave here without doing it. City Hill, if you're a follower, please, I want to ask you, let, let's be an urgent army. An urgent army with the gospel. Let's not just sing, sit here and sing about this great commander. I think we sang about a great commander this morning. He's a commander of an army. He's not a commander of a meeting. He's not the commander of a happy time on a Sunday morning singing some great songs. He's the commander of an army and this army has some battles to fight. City Hill, let's fight the battles. Let's fight the battles. I don't mean fight your family, by the way. I mean, let's fight the battles with being good news and proclaiming good news. At some point, I don't know, I want us to pray for the sick. This man was really healed. I want us to pray for the sick this morning. Harold and Pixie came to us this week, and uh, they're off to the Bajau people. That's not a bad day. Um, and I'm sure Pixie's been prayed for loads of times. I want us to pray for Pixie. I want to pray for Pixie again this morning in the context of this story. I want us to pray. If you're sick, I, I'm going to pan her back over to Joel. He can work with the mechanics out of this one. But I want us to pray for the sick again this morning. Let's pray for the sick. This man was really healed. You can be sick and be saved, but it's nice to be healthy and saved as well. Let's pray for Emily and Dylan. Let's pray. We, we want the, the coronavirus not to go anywhere near them. Let's pray for them this morning. You know what someone once said, the best healing prayer is praying that you'll stay healthy. The best healing prayer that any one of us can pray is that every day we pray, Lord, keep us healthy. Let's pray that Dylan and Emily will be We'll be healthy. Let's stand together. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do now. Let's stand together. Let me pray. That will give these guys time to work out what we're doing. Let's, but let's just concentrate, okay? Don't worry about what the band are going to do. Let's concentrate for a moment. Father, we are so grateful for your son. We're so grateful for salvation, for forgiveness of sins. We are so grateful. Thank you that none of us are following your son because we're clever. None because we're lucky. None because we read more books than someone else or had the right friends. We are we're following your son because of your grace in our lives. You lifted us out of that grave and you made us alive in Jesus Christ. You reached in, Lord. You reached in. And Lord, we just... we. Let's pray as we've just looked at this story. Very simply, we want to say, please, we convince us, Lord. Convince us. If we need convincing this morning, come Holy Spirit, convince us this, the gospel, is the answer to the brokenness we see around us. The brokenness we see in ourselves still, Lord. Lord, convince us. Convince us. Convince us not just now as we stand together here in this meeting. Shut away here, but convince us on Sunday when we go to work. Convince us when we're sitting around the dining table later today with people that we know who don't know you. Convince us, Lord, that we might take every opportunity to preach the gospel. Not good advice. Not good advice, Lord. We The gospel that brings life to the dead, that makes the broken whole. We say, help us, Lord Jesus.
Priest. We're in this extraordinary city of Dubai, Lord. What an amazing place this is. What amazing people. Amazing ingenuity. Amazing accomplishments over the last 30 years or so. We say, please, send us out, Lord. Send us out with the best news they've ever heard in their lives. And attend our words, Lord. Many of us have preached the gospel many times, Lord, to the same people over and over and over again. Let us not be weary, but Lord, we pray, please attend our words. Spirit of God, attend our words, we pray. Attend them, Lord. Why don't you right now, why don't you just think of people who, who you know, people that you gather with, your friends, your family, work colleagues. Just think about them in your head. Get a picture in your head of these people right now. And begin to pray for them. Begin to ask God to help you to preach the gospel, to move in their lives. Begin to do that. Just get people in your head. Name them. Ask God for them. I don't know what your culture is here in this church, but let's lift our voices. Just begin to name some of these people. That's their first names. Just begin to name them. Name them, Lord. I pray for Steve, Lord. Let's name them. Oh God, please. Let's, let's lift our voices. Come. Cry out to God. Lift up your voices. Come. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. I feel like God wants to say this to some of us. Don't, don't give up on your parents. Don't give up on your parents there. They've got values and beliefs totally different to and away from the Lord Jesus. But I feel like God wants to say to you, do not give up. Don't give up on them. Father, help us, we pray. Help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous. Help us to realise we have nothing else. Just like Peter and John, we have nothing else for this broken world save the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.